You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You ever feel like you just really need to sneeze, but you can't quite get it out? That's probably the state I'm going to be in for this entire episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be diving a little more in-depth to a question that we answered on the most recent episode of Locked On Kentucky. We're going to talk about the rotation. I'm going to talk about the backcourt rotation, what I think it should look like from a minutes perspective. We're going to talk about the frontcourt rotation. I think some players should be getting more minutes than they currently are. I think there's one particular player that needs to have his minutes cut down just a little bit. And then finally, I want to talk about bracketology. I want to talk about where the Wildcats are. And I want to talk about the emphasis on the net rankings and how important this upcoming stretch is for the Kentucky Wildcats. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. We'll remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. So if you're watching there, it would be great if you subscribed. All right, Kentucky right now, I think, is doing some things rotationally that have started to spark what has been an impressive two-game stretch. Now, obviously, a two-game stretch is essentially nothing. You want to see more production out of your guys over the course of a longer period of time. But this two-game stretch also consisted of a top-five win over the Tennessee Volunteers. And so I think we saw some things in that game from John Calipari where he tinkered with the lineups and it produced results. And right now, I think Kentucky is at a really, really important pivot point this season. And if they want to be able to capitalize on what momentum they have built, they need to change some things up, continue to change some things up. I think Cal knows that, and I think they're going to do it. But here's what I think the backcourt rotation should look like. Right now, Severe Wheeler has an injury. He did not play against Tennessee. Kentucky won. He played 11 minutes against Georgia. Kentucky won bigger. Kaysen Wallace has been the guy this season that I've been hyping up, that I've been so excited about, and we've gotten to see him produce, and I have said that he is an efficient point guard and that I don't necessarily know if he's going to be able to take the starting role from Severe Wheeler, but I definitely think that he should have his minutes boosted. Right now, according to... Ken Palm, ESPN.com, wherever you look, it's all going to be the same. Kaysen Wallace is averaging 30.2 minutes per game. In those 30 minutes, he's averaging 11 points, three and a half rebounds, almost four assists, two steals, and he's shooting 47% from the floor. I think it is statistically the best percentage for a guard that Kentucky has. I think Kentucky should up his minutes from 30 to 35. And the reason I say that is because I think it will take away from the other point guard that Kentucky has in Severe Wheeler. Right now, Severe Wheeler is averaging 31 minutes a game. I think Kentucky needs to take him down to 25. I think Kaysen Wallace should be playing 10 more minutes a game than Severe Wheeler. According to my comment section, this is not a hot take. A lot of you agree that Severe Wheeler, this season, while statistically he may have improved in certain areas, he is not performing as good as Kaysen Wallace has as the starting point guard. 
One of you asked, and we'll get to this question in a second, about why Kentucky couldn't utilize them both. I don't think Kaysen Wallace will do most of his damage off ball. I think he is a more effective player on the ball. I think he is a more effective player as a potential scoring option with the ball in his hand. I think Severe Wheeler has done some great things for this program. He's definitely gotten close to some records. I believe broke a couple of, of assist records. But Severe Wheeler is not, I think, overall a better point guard than Kaysen Wallace. And it's a shame because Kaysen is, is a freshman. If I'm not mistaken, he's an 18-year-old freshman. Severe Wheeler's been playing college ball for quite some time now. And Kaysen Wallace has stepped in and proven that he can be better at scoring. He's a better shooter. He's a better defender. So I think Kaysen Wallace should be getting, again, 10 more minutes than Severe Wheeler. If you've got any thoughts on what I say about the rotation today, I would love to hear your comments. Would love to hear your thoughts. C.J. Frederick right now is averaging 22 minutes a game. Some of you have been upset with C.J. Frederick. Uh, Understandably so. He's not the most prolific shooter this season as opposed to what he has done in seasons past at Iowa. But he's averaging almost eight points a game. He's averaging one and a half, half assists per contest, and he's the best free throw shooter on the team. I think that, that C.J. Frederick should be playing the minutes that he's playing right now. I think they should keep it the same. I think John Calipari should keep his minutes at 22, somewhere around 22. Because right now, I think that it's not going to take a increasing or decreasing of his minutes to get more efficiency out of him. I think you're going to have his good nights. I think you're going to have his bad nights. I think that's just what you have with C.J. Frederick right now. And he was one of eight, I believe, in the game against Georgia. But you're also going to have the games where he goes four of seven from the floor. Give C.J. Frederick his 22 minutes. He's a part of one of the best rotations that Kentucky has. If I'm not mistaken, Evan Manaya, who has a really, really great college basketball analytics site, recently posted that the lineup of C.J. Frederick, Kaysen Wallace, Antonio Reeves, I can't remember who was at the four. I can't remember if it was Jacob Toppin or Chris Bill Livingston and then Oscar Shibway is like the most efficient lineup that any team has put out since like the 2019 season, which is insane to think about. That lineup is outscoring opponents, specifically in that Tennessee game. It showed that lineup can outscore opponents significantly. So I think C.J. Frederick, hot, cold, let him stay at the minutes that he's at right now. Antonio Reeves, like we just mentioned, is a part of that really big rotation. Right now, he is currently playing 27 minutes a game, or excuse me, 24. I think they should bump it up a little bit, somewhere around 27 minutes. And look, it doesn't necessarily take a specific amount of minutes to get a specific amount of results out of a player. I'm not going to sit here and tell you if the, if their minutes go up by three, they're going to become world beaters overnight. It's tinkering with the individual products on the team to make a more consistent whole is what I think Cal's obviously trying to get at and what I'm trying to get at here. Antonio Reeves, second leading scorer on the team, averaging 12 points a game. He's shooting 39% from three, 78% from the foul line. He's averaging two rebounds, one, uh, 1.2 assists, and just 23 minutes of action. I think that if you give him a little bit more opportunity off the bench, he will Get your buckets. Now, it may not be the most efficient field goal percentage per night, but he's going to get your buckets. And if you give him more time, I think he is going to learn more. I think he's going to grow more. I think there's going to be chemistry with this really, really nice lineup that Kentucky has found 
this lineup that Kentucky has finally discovered halfway through the season. So giving him more opportunities to kind of shine in that, I think, is important because he is the second best scorer on this team, not just statistically, I think overall. And with what he offers, I think, at all three levels of the game. Three-point line, mid-range, right at the basket. The final player here in the backcourt rotation is Adu Thiero. I've been excited about Thiero. I've been pleased with what I've seen. Statistically, his numbers are not good, just to be completely honest with you. Shooting 30% from the floor is not great. Shooting 40% from three is. He's averaging almost 11 minutes a game. He's played nine games. He's averaging 11 minutes in those contests. Do you remember back before the season started, after Fierro committed, and we were asking the question, I even put up a poll about this, about whether or not Thierro should get, or what, what, what we thought his minutes per game would average out to. I think a lot of you said two to three. I think that was the final answer, is the majority percentage was two to three minutes. Well, he's averaging 11. I'm surprised by that. And I think that he should stay at about 10 to 11 minutes per game. I don't think he hurts this team with what he does whenever he comes in, although shooting 30% from the floor is not good. But I also don't think that relegating his minutes is going to help him specifically because of what he could mean to this team in the future. And I don't necessarily know what he's going to mean to this team next year because of what Rob Dillingham is going to be able to do at the point guard spot. But after Rob, theoretically, goes one and done, I think you're looking at, or excuse me, Thiero as somebody that Kentucky looks toward. Maybe not a starting role. Maybe. I don't know. But given the minutes that he's getting so far, I think that's fair. All right. I want to move to the front court rotation. I want to talk about what this team looks like in the front court. There is one specific player that I think Kentucky should be limiting their minutes just a little bit. And after diving into the numbers, I think that, you know, it's not as drastic as I once thought it would be. But I still think that, that the, the, the change needs to be made. Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro pro football, uh, college basketball, NBA. They've got every single sport over there over at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to a website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action that is BetOnline, where the game starts. Still fighting that sneeze. Lance Daw here with you, hanging, on, uh, hanging out on the Thursday edition of Locked On Kentucky. The front court rotation. Now, this may not be the most exciting thing to talk about because I think it's pretty set in stone what Kentucky has starting at the four and the five. And that would be Jacob Topp and Oscar Shibwe. Let's start here with Shibwe, though. Shibwe is averaging 33 minutes per game. I see no reason to change this. I see no reason to change this. He's averaging 17 points a game. He's doing what he did last year, statistically. I mean, you have to be pleased. He's not dropped off on the offensive end. It's the defensive end that I think concerns a lot of people. And I think it's less about relegating his minutes there 
and giving another player opportunity to, opportunity to shine. And that's Uganda Onyenzo. I think that Uganda Onyenzo's minutes should double. Right now, he's averaging seven minutes per game. I think Kentucky should give him 14. In those 7.6 minutes per game that he gets, he averages 1.1 blocks. And I know that these are very simple statistics here for you. I'm not diving into the per 40 or anything like that. But I think it's pretty clear that Uganda is the best rim defender that Kentucky has on the team. He is also one of the most inexperienced players on the team, which hampers Cal Perry's ability to actually play him and feel comfortable and confident. He is also very raw on the offensive end. I think what he brings to the table defensively is so important that Kentucky is going to need to play him against taller teams as this SEC slate rolls on. I think it has to happen. If they want to prevent what happened against Alabama, they're going to play him more. Because Oscar Shibwe has proven he cannot be the answer on that end of the floor. He cannot be it. And Lance Ware, let's move on to him. Lance Ware also, I don't think, is a phenomenal defender. Now, he plays hard. He fights. That's what I like about Lance Ware. He plays hard. He's energetic. I believe he has like one of the highest field goal percentages on the team. It may be the highest at 64.5%. But I think you take his minutes down from 13 to about 10. I think you'd relegate it just a little bit. Lance Ware, I think... At six foot nine, to go along with Shebway, is not the most productive player to have out there in your lineup, as opposed to a player like Onyenzo, uh, because I think strictly of what they do on the defensive end. Uganda Onyenzo is a few inches taller. He also provides more in terms of shot blocking and rim, rim protecting. Give him the experience that he needs while you continue to tinker with this lineup. Now, let me be clear I think the biggest rotation should be moving forward for Kentucky. I think it should be Kaysen Wallace, C.J. Frederick, Antonio Reeves, somebody either between Chris Livingston and Jacob Toppin at the four, and then Oscar Shibway at the five. Everything that happens after that, I think, think is experimental, and it is learning what this team, lineup-wise, can do with each other whenever you start to swap out some of these pieces. We've gotten to see Coach Cal do some weird things, like put Onyenzo and Shibway out there at the same time. I don't know if that necessarily works. I've not even bothered to look and see if that lineup was even efficient, if at all. But Kentucky's got to be able to do some different things past that good lineup. Do I think that lineup should start? I don't know. One of you asked me about this in a comment just a day or so ago about, well, why wouldn't that lineup start? I think it has to do with a lot with what's going on the, on the defensive end. I meant to bring a stat to you guys, and I may bring it on tomorrow's episode. But there is a defensive statistic that I learned about from our friend Sean Vinzel at Hoops Insight that gives me pause with that rotation, with that lineup, excuse me, in the rotation. Because I think that there are more opportunities to play better on that side of the floor if you play different players, like on Yenzo. So to kind of put a bow on it, I think Kaysen Wallace should be getting more minutes. Severe Wheeler should be getting less. Frederick and Athiero should be the same. Reeves should get a little bit more. Oscar Shibway should be the same. Lance Ware should be getting slightly less. Jacob Toppin, who I just didn't mention, uh, he should be getting, I think, the exact same. He averages 28 minutes a game. He's, he's like Frederick. He's going to be hot. He's going to be cold, typically more cold than hot. He's the best option we have at the four. 
Frederick, or excuse me, Livingston there would be a little bit undersized. It, it is what it is. And then on Yenzo, I think his minutes should double. I think he is the biggest change that Kentucky may make in their lineup moving forward. So that's what I think about the rotation. If you've got any thoughts on it, please give me your opinion in the, in the YouTube comments below. Would love to hear what you have to say about it. All right, I want to move on to the bracketology. Kentucky right now is starting to find their way back into it. I know that it was really, really kind of surprising, kind of shocking after that non-con slate whenever I said, I don't know if Kentucky's going to make the NCAA tournament. Well, as it turns out, that's more of a nightmare. That reality is more of a nightmare than we may thought, may have thought. But they're climbing back into it. And the net rankings, I think, are going to be very important for them coming up. Before I get to that, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Built Bar. Guys, if you're looking for a really delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you have got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, and it tastes phenomenal. On top of this, if you've listened to this show, you already know. They've got some really, really good flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. On top of that, they're really, really good for you. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Just the other day, this is not a bit, this is not for the read, I was hanging out at one of my friend's house, and I go into their kitchen, and they have on a little plate in the corner of the kitchen a bunch of Built Bars. And I asked him, I'm like, oh, where, where'd y'all get Built, bar, Built Bars from? I've been talking about them for over a year. They're phenomenal. And they're like, yeah, we stand Built Bars in this house. They're really, really good. And they just got added to Sam's and Walmart. So we don't have to go online to order them anymore. We can just go straight to our store and pick them up. So if you're heading to Walmart, heading to Sam's Club, you can go and get yourself a box. You can pick up a box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, like I mentioned, brownie batter or churro. They've got some really, really good options out there right now. And if you don't feel like going to your local uh, local store there, you can head over to Built.com to order yourself a box today. Would highly encourage you guys to check this out. You can thank me later. All right, wrapping up the Thursday edition of Locked On. Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. I think the sneeze has subsided, so we can be thankful for that. We can also be thankful for the fact, for the fact that Kentucky is finally starting to climb back into bracketology. So according to ESPN, if you waddle on over there to that website and see what Joe Lenardi has put out, the man, the myth, the legend, Kentucky is currently the first team out of the NCAA tournament. Now you may say, Lance, well, that means they're not in. Well, they're not in on ESPN. They are very close to being in. According to CBS Sports, it tells a different story. Jerry Palm believes that Kentucky right now would be an 11 seed in the East region, and they would face off against Illinois, a team I would not touch with a 10-foot pole. So Kentucky right now is finally, finally fighting their way back into it. They've made their way back into a bracketology. They're on the verge on the other national one at ESPN, and these two guys know what they're talking about. Jerry and Joe, they know what's up. They've been doing this for quite some time. They know exactly what they're doing whenever it comes to this. Jerry Palm did not just stick Kentucky in there at 11 for no reason. It's not bias. It's all about analytics, and it's about the net rankings. So if you've not listened to this show or you don't know what the net rankings are, it is a mathematical system that has recently been put in place that, if I'm not mistaken, does not start until the system has collected enough data on each individual team 
So it's a few weeks into the season before the net rankings actually start taking place. And then they finally start to grade you out based on how you've performed and then your quad wins. How you've played on the road, how you've played at neutral sites, your overall record, obviously, your strength of schedule. Quad wins are interesting. So the system divvies up all 361 teams, I think, nationally. I think it expanded from 358 to 361. 363, excuse me. But out of those 363 teams, it divvies it up into four quads. Quad one, obviously, is the best of the bunch. Quad two is a decent amount of teams that probably won't make the NCAA tournament, but they're going to get close. Quad three is is kind of that lower tier, and then quad four is the worst of the bunch out there. Kentucky right now is 40th in the net rankings. They are 12-6 and six overall. They are 10-1 and one at home. They are 1-3 in, in road games, and they are 1-2 in at neutral sites. The most important thing that you have to note about Kentucky in the net rankings is that they are 1-5 against quad one opponents. That is not good. You need to have more quad one wins if you are going to feel comfortable about banking the NCAA tournament as a non-auto bid, as an at-large bid. Kentucky has to pick up some more important wins. Guys, I've been talking about it since the non-con slate. It's not about the record. It's about who you've beaten. Kentucky could be 12-6 and right now, but if they had beaten Michigan State and Gonzaga and UCLA and they had just happened to lose three other games, they would be in a completely different spot right now simply based on the net rankings and simply based on what these bracketologies are predicting. It is so important that you beat the good teams. That's more important than anything. Kentucky has several opportunities to make that happen. They play Kansas. They play Mississippi State. Tennessee, Florida, Auburn, Arkansas, who has completely fallen off the face of the earth recently. Those are all teams that could be considered quad one or quad two opponents. You have to build up your record there. By the way, if you just look at the quad two, Kentucky is 1-0 and in that department. They've only played one quad two game. They have to be able to pick up some of these SEC wins against these decent opponents. And what did we talk about on yesterday's show? You've got Vanderbilt and you got Texas A&M coming up. Both those games are going to be close, but they're winnable. They're going to be tough. I'm not saying Kentucky is going to blow them out. I'm not saying they're going to cakewalk through them. Let me be very clear. These are losable games, but they're also winnable. Most analytics sites would tell you that Kentucky should be, rightfully so, favored in those games. Pick up your wins where you can get them. There is a stretch there. Mississippi, Florida, Arkansas, Georgia. Those four games coming after the Kansas game. Two of those games are at home. Two of them are on the road. You can execute. If you go out there, you go 3-1 and one in that stretch, all of a sudden, things are looking much better for Kentucky heading into the NCAA tournament. And we're not counting this team out of winning anything. Right? We're not counting them out. We saw North Carolina have a similar path last season. And then all of a sudden, as an eight seed, they went off and just exploded onto the scene. Before that uh that the um the NCAA tournament they were 24 and 9 right kentucky absolutely can go on some type of tear here and build some momentum 
and get into the tournament and upset a one seed and then make their way up. It's all still possible. It's all still on the table. I think that we should be, right now, cautiously optimistic about where the Wildcats could be heading. I think that there's opportunity. Now, will they execute? I'm not saying that they are going to. But at least there's a chance. And so rotationally, I think things need to continue to be adjusted and then build on the momentum that Kentucky has built so far. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. If you've got any thoughts about what's going on with the Wildcats right now, leave it in the YouTube comments below. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDaw underscore. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnUK. And you can follow the show on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.